Jeff here. We'll get back to the podcast in a second, but I wanted to let you know of an opportunity to help you further develop your church online. Here at the Church Digital, we've found some of the best ways for churches to grow their ministry online is to work alongside other churches. To that end, the Church Digital is opening up some coaching cohorts in January 2020. Through our cohorts, you'll be connected with churches with similar goals in place in ministry and work through these goals together over the six months under the guidance of the crew here at the church digital in 2020 invest in your church online invest in you for more information and to find out how you can save 20 percent, visit the church.digital slash cohort so it's confession hour here for episode 36 of the church digital podcast and i'm gonna i'm gonna confess something right here for you guys for many years of my online ministry life I never really saw the purpose and the point to chat hosts. I, yes, I, I've told many of you that I felt it was necessary uh, and that to, to model the behavior and, and it takes time and only 10% of people engage in chat. Um, but maybe while it was right years ago, maybe that was, or maybe I was wrong all along. I really don't know. But in today's day and age, I, I'm discovering more and more the necessity of having chat hosts engaging in these conversations. And, and my culture shift, my paradigm shift uh, in view has really come from conversations like this that you're about to experience with Evan Conley. So Evan is, is a combination of, of IT and an online ministry over with Lighthouse Church. But he has a phenomenal uh, viewpoint and strategy when it comes to doing chat hosts and, and how that's the front door really to en engaging in online community. And so I had talked with him on the phone about the church IT conference, maybe a couple months ago and was blown away by the strategies that he had had in place uh, and got with him. And I was like, Hey, let's, let's do a podcast on this. But even in addition to the podcast, let's share some of the resources that you're talking about that you're using at your church and let's get it out there for others. Then he happily obliged to that. And so also, in addition to listening to this podcast, be sure to check out the show notes because a lot of the policies and process and strategies that he has in place at Lighthouse for his church, he's got written up and we're making it available on the show notes for you right now. So for this conversation, I am bringing in Evan Conley, IT and online ministry over at Lighthouse Church, as well as Ray Diarmas, who's the online pastor at Christ Fellowship Miami, and myself, Jeff, in the Church Digital, for a conversation on fine-tuning chat hosts and community. Hey, everybody. Here you go. So we have two different roles with online chat. We have one person who is operating under our brand, essentially. So they're going to be commenting as Lighthouse Church with our logo on them on Facebook, YouTube, that kind of thing. Um, and they're going to be doing um, bigger questions pulling from a preset list of questions. So things like, where are you watching from? How can we pray for you? Um, let's take a poll. How many people attend in person versus online? How many people have watched before? How many people is this the first time watching? Just things that get people pulled in. Um, we do a lot with emojis in that one. So like using emojis to kind of vote and say like, you know, if this message is speaking to you, put your hand up and you'll see little emoji hands pop up, which is really cool. And even with altar calls. Um, so if we have an altar call in person, we do an altar call online. And so if that person in that role is going to post a question saying, if you just decided to follow Jesus for the first time today, raise your hand or comment yes. And I remember the first time we did that, I was just blown away 
when I was staring at the screen and I saw these little emoji hands go out. I, forget, I think it was like three or four the first time. And I just, beautiful. I think I almost cried. I was just like, I can't believe this is working. People just got saved online and they raised little emoji hands to show that they got saved. That's good. So that's what that role does. And then we also have an online engagement team. Mm -hmm. So this is the team that's more open. Um, obviously with that other team, if you're serving under our logo, that's a pretty selective team. We're gonna have to know you for a while. And um, as far as volunteers who serve in that role, there's not a whole lot of people who are gonna do that. But then we have online engagement, which is a much wider team and not just in who can do it, but from where. So we have a volunteer in Texas, we have a volunteer in Florida, because you can do this one from anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so that role, um, they're commenting under their own names. They don't currently do anything to kind of designate themselves as volunteers, which I prefer because it just feels like, hey, I'm another person watching this service with you. And so whether they're answering the questions, responding to the prompts that we're posting under our main account, or maybe they're posting something on their own, just like, hey, you know, this point here, that really hit home with me. And then obviously with prayer as well, they do a lot of that. So if we see a prayer request pop in, um, part of their thought process and what they've been instructed to do is try to really make a point of praying for any of those requests that they see come in. That's good. Evan, are you guys leveraging CHOP uh, as your primary tool or are you guys leveraging other networks for your, for your hosts like Facebook Live or anything else like that? Yeah, sure. So we are using CHOP, but that's actually new. We started entirely on Facebook and YouTube. Hmm. And then just in the last few months, we decided to add in CHOP which we like and I think we're still figuring out the best ways to use but I would say the majority yeah, definitely the majority of our viewers are still coming from Facebook and YouTube and I like that we started with those platforms first because it really let us build those platforms and on YouTube for example we went from around a thousand subscribers to a little over 4,000 now in about a year year and a half mm -hmm. from constantly pushing people to that network right so we've had great results there and the chat um, features, especially with Facebook are amazing. Facebook by far is the best at integrating a chat with a live video. Mm -hmm. make it easy for you to uninterrupted to just watch, especially on mobile. And so honestly, in my opinion, when it comes to live chat while watching the message, the best way to do that would be on Facebook. And so we see the most interactive chat on Facebook. We, and then Facebook or YouTube and, chop are probably evenly split between um, the discussion we see there. If anything, we probably see more of a discussion on YouTube, but part of that's probably because chop's still new. Right. That's good. That's real good. And, you know, keeping in line with that. So the prayer requests that come in, do, do your hosts document them? Like, how does that get back to you guys um, so that it doesn't just die there in the chat uh, so that the church can be made aware of some of this stuff? Yeah. So that depends on, how it comes in. Usually that's going to be from the person who's working off of the brand account. And so we have a prayer team that um, not just even for online, but a team that's praying for any requests that come in throughout the week. And so if it's a really serious request, especially that's something that we'll forward on to that team. Um, I try to make a point of going through all the chat logs, whether it's chop or Facebook or YouTube and mm -hmm. for anything that hadn't already been prayed for. Um, if it's, you know, it just, it really depends on the severity of it. If, if it has already had a few people comment on it and pray for it, um, sometimes it might not warrant anything else after that. Sure. But if it's a really serious situation, maybe that requires a follow-up or passing it on to our prayer team to have people continue to pray for that throughout the week. Hmm. And something new I'm looking at 
I haven't started it just quite yet, but um, actually going through and grabbing pretty much all of those requests. And then we have a Facebook group for our online chat team and posting those in there so that throughout the week they can take part in something, not just on Sunday, but part of that role can also be throughout the week to be praying for requests that come up on the weekend. That's good. That's good. Um, how do you guys continue in community with folks? How do you guys keep walking with them with that, with your chat volunteers? Do, or do your chat volunteers also lead online communities like small groups or? Yeah, we definitely happen? push online small groups for them. And then that Facebook group is a big way. I'm um, still trying to work out the best ways to use that and learning a lot about Facebook groups and how to keep a discussion going. It started off really strong. And then the last few months, it's been dying down a little bit. So I'm trying new strategies there, trying to figure out the best way to pick that back up. But um, the Facebook group would probably be the biggest way that we stay in touch. And really the thought process with that is just to be able to have a place to share the wins. Because I think when you're talking about like what you each individually saw as you're serving, that's mm-hmm. a real good way to show the value in what's happening here, how it's bigger than just that individual time slot that you're serving at, but how it's connecting to the bigger picture in the mission. So you've got a Facebook, you've got one Facebook group that basically is for your entire online environment. Yeah, for that team. So that's not like an online campus-wide one, but just for, oh, okay. for those who are serving. Yeah, just for that volunteer team. That's good. Um, so... Uh, keeping keeping that in mind, how do you keep chat engaged? Do you have two chat hosts at the same uh, service just to make sure that things don't die down? Or do you have one person, you know, even if things are dying down, they're still throwing positivity out there or questions to try and get people engaged? Like what's, what's the strategy there? Yeah, sure. So we have a lot of prompts that we're posting, like I talked about from our brand account. And those are going to be a lot of discussion starters. Um, so like, where are you watching from is one of the first ones we do. And we've found that that's a great icebreaker because people mm-hmm. love, or even if they're just across the street, it's really easy, low barrier to entry. It's not too too personal. So we see a lot of people do that. Good. And then we've found that once they comment once, it seems like they tend to comment more. So once you just break the ice that first time and get them in the chat, they're much more likely to continue. So we try to start off with easy questions like that, where it's just super easy to make that first comment and break the ice. And then throughout the service, we'll do things like I talked about with, uh, you know, if this message is speaking to you, let us know that, or let's take a poll, maybe something like how often do you watch? Um, Do you normally watch at one of our in-person campuses or do you watch primarily online? Things like that. And then depending on the message too, like maybe we'll say, you know, pastors made this point, hey, who can relate? Put your hands up and you can relate to what he just said, that kind of thing. And so a lot of that's coming from the brand account, but then... We also do have those individuals who will also do things on their own. Very similar to that, really. Like, you know, if there's a point that just hit home with them, they'll say, man, that just really stuck out to me. Who else here feels like that? Or um, definitely with prayer, praying for other people. And that naturally keeps the chat going. That too has been really cool. Not just with our team, but we've seen with these prayer requests that come in. A lot of times we'll get like five plus people who, join and praying for someone who aren't on our team just they see oh hey you know what i see someone praying for this person i can do that too and now you've got someone who would have just been watching um but because we have that chat that's active and you've got a few people who are breaking the ice and that barrier of entry there now they see that i can do this too and not only did they just watch service but they just joined someone in prayer from wherever they're watching from that's good how are you guys um recruiting folks for this and i know you said that it's kind of a select group that comes into this 
but where are you pulling from? Are you pulling from within the chat? Like, hey, this person's real active. They could be a potential volunteer or what's going on there? That's definitely one way. Um, we have had that where we see someone is pretty much already on the team in a way and that they're doing everything that we ask of someone who's on the team. And so it's like, hey, do you want to just keep doing what you're doing and also <laughs> you know, maybe talk to us a little bit more throughout the week? Um, and that's actually a great way to find people because naturally you do get some people like that who are just really interested in being a part of the chat and they're going to do it regardless. Mm -hmm. So might as well coach them up and pull them into that kind of thing. And that's been one way. The biggest way has been our online connect card. So in person, we have volunteer opportunities and you can check that you want to serve when you fill out a connect card. And at sure. first, we didn't have that option for online before we had this role. And that just felt like a real loss to me. And it was really the reason that this team came about was I was thinking like, how can we create a way for people who are outside, especially outside of our physical community and too far away to serve in person? Like, how can they serve here? And I didn't want it to just be a role for the sake of having a role so they can feel like they're on the team but i wanted them to have a real purpose and to mm -hmm. really be able to be part of our mission and so it's good the chat host just seemed like the right way to do that and that's how that came about there um so the online connect card i would say is the biggest way that we get people for that role in particular it's actually a pretty wide net anyone can do that mm -hmm. we get a decent number of signups from people who fill out the online connect cards um the brand account would be the more selective one and we don't give out any sort of password or access to that. So you're going to be in person doing that on a church device. But that's good. Everall is pretty wide. That's good. And it's encouraging that you guys would at least be willing to empower people on the brand account because that, that, that for a lot of folks would be, man, I, and, and I understand you guys are very protective of the keys, but yep. even to kind of exit outside of yourselves, there, there's still a little tension and a little fear there. Totally. Yeah. And that honestly, that came about really out of just a need. So, um, I was traveling, I forget where, it might have been to a conference, and at the time, we didn't really have anyone else on staff. We were, especially back then, a little smaller on staff, so we didn't have someone else on staff who could fill in for me and do what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I realized I had to appoint a volunteer who, at the time, we have another role, which is broadcast operator. It's just getting stuff started on the different networks, making sure the stream's running, talking to audio if there's an issue. So that's more of a technical role, but we had one person in particular who I knew could do more, and so I trained that person over the course of a couple of weeks and got them to cover for me while I was away. Mm -hmm. and that just led to discovery. Hey, you can empower other people and they don't even have to be on staff necessarily as long as you've had some time to know them and train them. Uh, and so that's how that came about. How do you guys, uh, well, how do you guys manage the tension of the connect card? Because obviously it takes them out of the chat. And so how and when do you introduce that in the service? Because if you're going to throw a new link in a Facebook Live or if you're going to throw a new link in a YouTube Live, obviously it's going to exit them out of the experience for the moment. Is it distracting? Like, and I know you found some success with that, but then kind of walk us through that as far as their engagement, their continual engagement. Sure. Yeah, we don't necessarily even put that in the chat every week. But what we do is it's in the video description on Facebook and YouTube. It's the first link they see um, towards the top of the description of that video. So before or after they watch, it's pretty visible that it's there. And okay. that way they're getting to it in a time that is not pulling them outside of the chat. Now we do have other links we post occasionally. Um, if we're doing a communion service, we post a link to instructions on how you can do communion in your home. Um, we post links to small group signups when they open so that you can see what groups we have in person and online, that kind of thing. So we do post them occasionally, um, but I would say we don't do them that often. Even some weeks, we probably don't post a link that takes you 
side of the video. You mentioned Florida. I think you mentioned Texas. Yep. Uh, so other other states. So how do, how do you vet? How do you verify? How do you train? So like some person in a different time zone wants to to serve at your at your church. Mm-hmm. What do you do to verify that they're legit and that they're okay? Like what what does that process look like for you? So right now, because they're doing this under their own name, um, they're not even like getting in sort of, I mean, especially on Facebook and YouTube, it's pretty hard to give them any sort of like identifier. I know it's a little easier with CHOP that they're volunteers. So they're pretty much under their own name. And mm. so we don't feel like we have to be incredibly restrictive. It's not like a small group leader where we're going to do a background check or anything like that. Um, there's an initial discussion, um, just like any of our serve teams, just over email. Um, or maybe a phone call or text, depending on their preference. But um, when you first sign up for a team, just like, hey, this is what we do. Tell me a little bit about yourself. What's your background? Does it seem like a good fit? And that naturally has a little bit of a discussion that goes about to get to know them. Mm. And and I have a training document that I put together. It's pretty simple, um, but it just walks them through what the role looks like, different ways that they can get involved, some suggestions on how they can comment and wording and that kind of thing for different parts of the service. Um, And we make it real clear in that too, that as you're doing this, you're just talking to them as another person who's in this service. You're not representing the brand. So you're not saying like, hey, welcome. We're so glad you're here. It's like, hey, I'm so glad you're here. That kind of thing where it's not on the brand, but they're just doing this personally under their own name. Mm-hmm. That's good. And, and has, that been, has that been well-received? Like, are, are they okay doing that where they're, somebody in Texas is, is speaking for themselves and not, and not on the brand? Is that, do they struggle with that? Like, yeah. How, so how has that been received? As far as I can tell, it's been received well. I've yet to have someone say that they were uncomfortable with that or that they didn't want to do that. Um, so as far as the people who've said that they want to be a part of this team, everyone seems to be perfectly comfortable with that. And I think they enjoy it. I think um, I, when I'm talking to the people who are new, I compare it to in person. We have greeters. You know, We have a response team that stands in front of the stage for prayer after service, that kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. it's very similar to that where you're kind of in your own skin. They see who you are and you're just doing that under your own name and your own identity a lot like you would be doing in person how are you helping chat hosts navigate their online persona because obviously being on facebook live and all this stuff they're not just connected on sundays during the service hey man when i post my thoughts on johnny's pizza place it's all out there and some of those folks may interact in fact johnny may have attended service and he didn't like your post so uh you know <laughs> how does all that work out so we talk to all of our volunteers in person at Milan. We uh, talk about, um, among other things, social media and how you should be representing your testimony in the way that you interact online so that you don't want to be posting things that are negative or critical or that just come across the wrong way on social media. Yeah, that's just something um, with any of our teams, you know, even if you don't serve online, we just want to make sure that you know you're reflecting your testimony online and you need to be very careful about what you post and how that might come across to people. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is always a tough uh, tension to navigate because, you know, um, and especially when it's not quote unquote staff, like staff, you know, we feel, I don't know, a little more ease to like lean in on a lot of that stuff. With a volunteer, they understand, but they don't completely understand <laughs> not a lot oh, of that. Sure. I'm sure that's just got to be a challenge. Man, do you have an example of, man, we definitely had to like step in and we had to help this person navigate that kind of tension? I've yet to have to do that with something outside of the Sunday chat. Of all, it's fairly normal when people are new to the team to have to just chat a little bit about the type of comments that they're using during the chat and uh, 
you know, it'd be helpful if you talk about it this way and not want to say that, or maybe avoid this verbiage and not say that kind of thing. It's, good. So it's, pretty, it's pretty normal to have coaching with that. But thankfully I've yet to have a situation where I see someone who's posting something and I'm like, that's not representing us well. Sorry. You have to, not to say that that won't happen, but uh, just think sure. so far it hasn't. With your, your church, how your church is structured with church online, um, the chat host, what's, what's the goal of, of the chat host? Mm. Uh, to get the person to stay connected to the service for the entire service, to invite them back to next week, to get them connected into a small group. Like what, when, you, when you empower a chat host to do something, What's a successful, what's a win for, for a chat host, for a volunteer chat host? So ultimately what they're trying to do is create a sense of community. And so what a win would look like, um, a few of the things that you just listed, we have small groups. And so sometimes they'll just post a link to a small group if they see that someone's going through something. Like just this past weekend, we had someone who just said that they felt really lonely. And so someone shared how much that a small group had helped them and shared a link to small groups and just said that that could be something that would help that person through what they're going through. So connecting them to small groups would be an option. Praying for people is huge. I've been blown away recently, just um, in person and online, seeing how it moves people to have someone pray for you. I think there's a lot of people who aren't used to people praying for them. If you're not Mm -hmm. inside of the church world, which I think you get a lot of online, people who don't normally come to church, people aren't used to having someone pray for you. And when you share a prayer request and someone actually takes the time to pray for you, I think that really touches people. And so that seems like it really pulls them into the service and makes them want to come back because they see that sense of community as people that care about them that that take the time to pray for them. Mm -hmm. And just our very next steps, like our connect card, um, that's not something the engagement team would necessarily do, but um, questions would be a good one too. Whether they're creating their own kind of question that gets a discussion going or being one of the first people to respond to a church question so that that kind of breaks that ice there too and they see there's people commenting because sometimes just like in an in-person discussion no one wants to be the first one to speak so when you see someone else breaking that ice then you're more likely to share as well so it just all comes together to create community you know and and i'm actually going to quote ray's boss here uh which is awesome we had ben stapley on the podcast and he we were talking about about chat host with him on and and one thing that he said that that i loved and it's um you have to model what you want to see and he was was talking about, you know, almost having like ringers in the room, yeah. often in, engaging and talking. And so you'd have volunteer A talking and, and just even positioning um, volunteer B and C just talking like normal people responding and engaging. And it's because to your point, no, and he even said it, he, a very eloquent story. Nobody ever wants to be first. Yeah. And so a lot of times if you want to, if you want to create that culture, create that environment, you have to show the people um, what it looks like and how to respond. And then it carries on from there. And so, um, you know, I, I love that, that idea. Have you, have you gone through model seasons like that where you've had to, to model what it looks like? How, how have you done things like that? Yeah, I think that's um, definitely one of the things that this team has brought about. And I think, you know, like you were saying, this is something our people do. I don't think it's even specific to online. I know Elevation, I've heard they ask their staff to sit in the front of the sanctuary, especially at their broadcast location, because they want to know that people who are that visible, people who are pulled into the service, who are engaging with the service, who are going to be standing up, who are going to have their hands up and clapping and 
I think it's very similar with online. You want to have some people that you know are going to model that behavior. And so that's part of that training for that team is just responding to that message, whether it's a question that the church posted or they hear a point that the pastor made and they're just like, amen, that really hit home with me. Um, those kind of things where you're showing over people who are new, there's an active chat going on here. This is what it looks like to be involved in a part of that. And I think that just creates a sense that something's happening there. Whereas if you just have a video feed without that chat, I really feel like there's a different feel there. I feel like you don't have that sense of community without seeing those individual names and people and the stories they share and the prayer requests. That doesn't, to me, I would say that that online chat makes it feel more like church, seeing the different people there. It's kind of like your foyer. You can't do it exactly in the same way unless you're like um, a church home and you build that custom app where you can have a lobby before service. But for the most part, with a lot of the existing technology like Facebook or YouTube, you don't have much of a lobby before and after service. Mm -hmm. I think that happens naturally during your chat. So how are you guys dealing with, with the trolls? Um, you know, however they may come in, in terms of the chat, doesn't matter if it's chop. Yeah. People find their way to your site and definitely on Facebook and, and YouTube live, you, you'll occasionally get somebody pop in who has an agenda. So totally. Yeah. And that has happened. Um, first of all, though, I would say, especially to a church that might be considering doing more enabling live chat, that it's probably not as bad as you think it is. Right. I've a lot of questions, especially some of the different conferences I've been to, you know, you'll have a Q and a time and, We'll hear, well, what about this? Or what happens if someone says this? Or you get this one person who's doing that. And I'll say, at least from my experience and what I've heard from other people who've shared about doing online chat, I don't think it's nearly as common as a lot of people would expect it to be. You do have trolls on the internet. We have run into them, but they're far and few between. With two or so years of doing online chat, I can only think of a handful of instances where that's happened. Hmm. And even fewer times where I've actually had to block someone. So we try to give people a chance. If they're not totally out of line, if they're yeah. not using foul language, if they're being a little critical, but not to the point where they're attacking individuals or tearing anyone apart, uh, we'll try to give them a chance because sometimes they're just hurting and they need to be there just as much as anyone else. And we don't want to drive them away. So we'll try to give them a chance. And it, it just depends on the severity. There, I can only think of one time where we've had to block someone outright. For the most part, Sure it looks like giving them a couple chances or strikes before we go ahead and block them. We might hide their messages and it, it varies platform to platform. Like Facebook is great because you can hide their message and they don't even know that you did it. And so right. they're just going along ranting, but they don't know that their comments gone. Whereas YouTube, I think it notifies them. It's more clear that that happened. And so you might have to address that a little differently. And then shop has a direct message feature, which I really like. Um, I used that just a couple of weeks ago. We had someone who was being a little critical about the message, but not terribly so. And so I sure. tried to have a conversation with that person and just walk through, hey, I'd love to talk through any feedback you have on this message. And um, I tried to sort it out with that person. I'd love to say that we came to a resolution and that person decided to stay, but um, that person made a couple more public comments and that person did have to be blocked. But that was rare. That doesn't happen most weekends. Um, sure. I wouldn't even say that it happens once a month where we have to block someone or hide comments. And the other thing we've noticed is that we have a very positive online community. And mm. I don't know if we've done anything to build this or if it just naturally came about. But when we have a negative comment come in, for any one negative comment, we'll probably have three, five people who come back positively and say, well, you know, defensively or just um, to count it out with positivity. 
and that kind of brings the discussion back. Sometimes you have to mm -hmm. throttle that too because if it gets too defensive and not just positive, then now it becomes a distraction and then we're going to try to hide all that and take that offline so that it sure. doesn't come about that and it stays on the message. But a lot of times they just come back with positivity, not even directed at exactly what that person said. And then that just brings the discussion back. And it's interesting too, we've found uh, among the different platforms, so starting with Facebook and YouTube and now Chop, the more anonymous you can get. So obviously YouTube is somewhat in between. They're starting to push real names. Facebook is entirely real names. They'll probably block you if you don't have a real name. And then mm -hmm. Chop is totally anonymous. Like you just enter a nickname. It's incredibly rare to have to block someone or hide something on Facebook. It's a little more common on YouTube. And then yeah. in a few months we've been doing Chop, we found that's the most common there. So I think the more anonymous the people can get, the more that they can open up and good things as well, because I've seen prayer requests on CHOP that no one would probably ever share on Facebook. Sure. But you also, I think the more anonymous your platform is, the more likely you're going to see a troll. It's fair. Your, your broadcasts, we've talked about this before uh, through the, the podcast, but there's basically there's three different types of people that watch online services. Mm -hmm. uh, so your first is the front door. These are people who are watching your online service and they will eventually visit for the first time one of your physical campuses. Second is types of person as a side door. This is somebody who is um, already active in your church. They're just traveling and, and so they may not be available or maybe they just want to stay at home one Sunday. They may not like um, they're engaged in your church they're already part of it. They're just attending the online service in order to stay in touch. And then the third service would be third type of person uh, would be someone who basically it's, it's the digital door. It's the only door. They're never setting foot in a physical campus. They're not engaged, um, nor will they be because it's somebody in Florida or in Texas. Um, somebody who, for whatever reason, they're engaging with you spiritually and looking for spiritual guidance, but not necessarily um, wanting to do it in a physical environment. Sure. With you, do you know with your online audience, like, would you rank those three, like front door, side door, digital door? Which ones are is is more active than the other with your broadcast? Yeah, so we don't have a really detailed metrics on that. We don't have a good way to capture that right now. But based off of what I see weekly with the chat, especially getting to see people check in with their locations and how they're watching, we see a pretty good mix. I would say it's probably close to evenly split among all three of those we get people who normally attend in line and they'll say, I'm on vacation in Puerto Rico. So I'm tuning in from vacation. We get people who are local and say they're sick. We get people, I've seen comments that, you know, I live out of state, but we're going to be moving here. So we've been watching for a few weeks now and we can't wait to move down there and watch in person for the first time. Or um, I haven't attended church in a long time and I'm really loving this message. I live locally. I'm thinking about coming next week. And then we see other people who just live an extended distance away and a lot of times I see those same people check in on a frequent basis and they're definitely doing church with us. I just kicked off an online small group this small group semester and we've got someone in our group from Virginia Beach who originally lived here and now is part of our online community and watches pretty regularly and is taking part in an online group so we definitely have people in all those categories and just based on the feel I have for it from our online chat I'd say it's fairly evenly split among all those. That's really good. It's tough to it's tough to navigate that sense of community, um, and it's it's really hard to navigate how a lot of people are 
going to engage in some of these different platforms? Those are things that we've talked about with some other folks. Um, so tell us how else is the ability to be known um, or the ability to stay unknown impacting the way that people are interacting with, not just with the chat, but with your church in general? Yeah, so this is coming from an online small group, um, this previous meeting, but I think it we see the same thing with online too. So we had someone who started off camera off, um, wasn't really talking. Um, and then in this, I've seen this transform through an entire semester, but with this person, it was all at once and one throughout the course of one meeting. And then as we got into our discussion, the camera came on for like a minute and then turned back off. And then the camera came on for a few more minutes and turned off. And then towards the end of the group, the camera stayed on and this person opened up and shared that they're dealing with so much anxiety right now, but wow. um, they were just so thankful for this online group because it got them to take part in something they probably wouldn't have normally done. And I uh, just shared how powerful it was to be meeting with these other people online right now and to be part of this. And so throughout the course of that one meeting time, that person went from you know, kind of hiding in a sense with the camera off to feeling comfortable enough for a minute to turn it on, to leaving it on, and then to even speaking and joining the discussion. And I think we see the same thing with the chat where people probably are watching for a few weeks before they take part in the chat at all. And then they start commenting a little bit. And then I have noticed, like, you see people who occasionally comment and then I'll start to recognize those names and say, hey, all of a sudden this person's commenting a lot and they just become more part of that community. I think for some people, it's just a natural progression that happens. And, and I agree. I think that's, I think it's difficult in church in general, um, as far as folks wanting to go from being unknown to known, especially in a mega church, which is, you know, many of the, the environments that we're operating in, in terms of folks want to come into a service either because they've been burnt in another church or they're coming in and they're fresh and they just want to sit down and, and just be for a moment. They don't really want to connect yet. They don't want to be part of the community yet. They just want to kind of soak in. Totally. And especially in the online environment, I mean, they're, they're trying before they buy, right? Like they're there to engage in that kind of experience before they really partake in the community because they're still trying to build trust, right? Yep. And I think online can meet them where they're at in a really good way in both of those. Because if they want to be anonymous, you can't be more anonymous than on your computer without taking part in the chat. Like you can literally just watch that video and no one's going to know you're there. So if that's what you want right now, where you just want to hear that message, but you're not ready to be known, then mm -hmm. online does that really well. But I think online, you can be known better than in person in a way when it comes to a larger venue. Because if you've got 1000 people in a room, you might not notice that new person. You can certainly greet them and say hi to them, but you don't, you can't ask someone when you've got a thousand people in a room, is this your first time? Cause that can come across wrong to someone who's been there for a year. Mm -hmm. Whereas online, I think it's a lot easier to have those discussions and to get to know people in the chat because you can talk to all those people individually if they choose to start commenting. And I think you get to know them better than you might than in person service just because you don't have that kind of interaction generally in a larger environment. You know, one, one thing that I've seen um, several churches start to experiment and, and start to move well as like a, a next step beyond that service broadcast that the chat host can push to yeah. Um, is is a church-wide Facebook group, yep. um, you know, talking about having like uh, anonymity. It's a softer sell. It's it's less intimidating. They're coming in as their person. It's not, they're not hiding behind a nickname or, or something um, or, or, you know, invisible with, with uh, YouTube or Chop. And so, but it's, it's, there's hundreds of people in this group and you're util maybe thousands of people in this group, but you're utilizing the group to ask questions, to, to push ideas, 
to meet people, to engage with people and to route them into, into a small group and so, or into a community or whatever your next step is. And so it's, it's really seems the churches that, that have done it well. Um, you know, it was elevation. I think it talked a lot about that, about how they had had a, a huge success with that, uh, Facebook group, uh, and, and pushing it over there designed for the online campus and, uh, and then using that to, to route people, um, effectively down the road to really get to know them and and the thing that i love about it is it's it's not tied to that one hour on sunday you can have a conversation with them on tuesday or wednesday mm-hmm. and get to know people in that space and engage with them uh on a, on a regular basis it's it's not just when that service is being broadcast and even ask your chat host to help engage the, the community in that space where they're not just doing that one hour on sunday but they're actively meeting and talking with people in that in that Facebook group as well. Like there's there, I think there's an opportunity there for, for churches to really use, you mentioned before, there's no lobby. Uh, and that's right. been like the like biggest problem I think with church online is hmm. you, you get people connected to ministry into those next steps in the lobbies of our physical buildings. We don't have a physical building online. And, and for some churches that are experimenting with it, that, uh, that Facebook group for the entire online service really does become the lobby of the church. So uh-huh. Uh, man, I, I would check that out. I, I'd kick those tires. Ray, you guys, you guys have experimented a little bit with uh, the Facebook group for the entire church, right? How'd that work for you? We are. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's doing good. It's not as good as I would want it to be because it's not something we promote very heavily outside of CF Online. And I think we will continue to as we find more power here, especially as Facebook favors algorithmically the groups, right? Like they're, they're putting more of an emphasis on community. So Nona Jones, I was talking about uh, how Facebook is favoring community and favoring groups um, and, and how we want to put more of an emphasis on that. But then Brady Shearer came up with a great strategy that, that was like, hey, listen, even just kind of posing a question a day to just keep people engaged on the Facebook, on the Facebook group or, you know, and that's the strategy just to get them. And it's been a good way to kind of get the ball rolling in terms of getting people involved, getting people praying for one another, finding different ways to have them connect, um, creating that lobby experience, because there's got to be some kind of strategy behind it. We can't just have a Facebook group for the sake of having a group, but really trying to continue exactly what Evan's doing, trying to continue that conversation. Yeah, it's funny you guys bring that up because just an hour or so ago before this, I was talking to our arts director about our strategy of online groups or Facebook groups and what we're thinking about, how we're going to roll that out. So that's something we're not doing currently, but we're um, talking through our process and looking to roll that out fairly soon. We want to have an online one like you guys are talking about. We also want to do that for our in-person campuses to create Mm -hmm. those people to stay in touch throughout the week and even some other groups like that. Um, We're trying to figure out how we can do that to tie them into small groups and maybe link them to individual small groups that are going on. Right. Uh, that's something that we're looking at as well. And I'm part of a few online groups from other churches. I'm on the Elevation one, um, Life Church, I think Rock Church. Mm-hmm. And I've been blown away by the amount of community that I see happen in these groups. It's just, yeah. like you said, those questions, like you see a question like that get posted and so many people will open up about that. Or I love it when, um, you see someone ask a personal question, like they're trying to work through something or mm-hmm. you know, I'm not really clear on this text. What do you think this guy, this means? And you have people who just, just like church. I mean, they're coming together and they're wrestling through that together. They're praying for one another. I think you really see a lot of church happen in those groups. Um, we do have yeah. a Facebook group for our men's ministry right now. And I see a lot of that happening 
there where you know, people open up about what they're going through or they have a question and you just naturally see that community created and they do church with one another in a Facebook group. Ray, you ready for my hot take? Here's a hot take. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say this before. It's coming right here. I think I would rather somebody join a Facebook group, a private Facebook, uh, a campus Facebook group. I would rather someone join a Facebook campus group than right. fill out a connection card. I can see that. Because if they're in the group, I now have a relational connection to get whatever information I want out of them in a, in a, in a one-on-one engagement. Absolutely. Um, so I would rather them identify themselves as part of a Facebook group, giving me an opportunity to uh-huh. dialogue rather than them filling out a card, feeling like that I'm coldly trying to peel information out of them that I'm going to utilize in, in some other way. I think Facebook needs to offer more tools to help integrate people into groups. Cause for instance, whenever we're doing um, live chat on Facebook live and you know, when we've pushed the group, uh, you know, whenever we copy the link over, it's this massive disgusting link that gets dropped into the middle of the chat, as opposed to having, you know, a button or something a little more simple that's attached. It should be integrated well into Facebook. And so I know that Zuckerberg is listening to this podcast. And so if you're listening, Mark, you know, uh, go ahead and, and get on that. But, but in the meantime, um, you know, it is, Jeff, it is proving to be one of the best things uh, to get people to do because they're going to engage in it on a regular basis. It does provide opportunity in a more expressive place. You know, they could drop GIFs into it. They can drop a whole bunch of things into it that you can get some fun responses and keep people engaged in the fun side of the community of Facebook, which is what it originally was before it became ads and all this other stuff. And so, and it's so niche and internal in that, you know, you're, you have people who are there who want to be there. They weren't advertised into it. It wasn't anything else. You have people who are part of your community that want to be there, that want to take part in community. I agree with you hundred percent. I think more and more there needs to be ways to connect with people through your Facebook group and not just, uh, in some in some kind of way, I'm just receiving data. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Jeff. I mean, it just it seems like it's so much more relational um, when you fill out a connect card, especially at a larger church. Like, what does that process usually look like? You might get like a generic template email, which I think more and more people are starting to recognize that. Even if you autofill their name in there, they can kind of tell. Okay, this is the exact same email that everybody else gets. Maybe you even send them a letter in the mail, but it's probably just going to be something pre-printed, like not super personal if you're at a larger size where you probably can't handwrite a card for each person. But if they, you know, when you join a Facebook group, like it tells you that you're new, you can see who's new. And if you have a one-to-one chat with them there, that's very specific. It's very personal mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think you can really do with more traditional new guest processes. That's good. Well, and, and relational really is, is the, is the answer to online ministry, right? Um, because, and especially as, as cold and as distant as technology is, we're trying to prevent people from not doing church in isolation and years of my life. I, I honestly, just transparently, I didn't understand this, which is one of the reasons why I've been so distant on chat hosts because chat hosts is really the vehicle that you get people to not watch church in isolation, to not experience that. They're that front line. I used to equate them to guest services and I'm like, eh, who cares about guest services? Sure. You don't need them. But, but it's, it's, it's more than that because you've got people who are watching on devices, not engaging. 
And an effective chat host ministry is really going to engage that and get them connected into a more relational thing with a Facebook group or, or into, a, into a small group or something like that. And you're starting to build this discipleship pathway. And, and the, as much as probably earlier in, in my online ministry years, I was really um, not neg- okay, negative. I was more negative on the chat host. And I was like, it's not, it's not really necessary in, in the grand scheme of things. Today, it's, it's vital. It's essential towards that. Because it's the first line of defense from discovering, front, first line of defense to discover who these people are. Yeah. Um, and so, cool. and, and Evan, man, you've, you've done a great job of, of putting together a program and, and talking through not only, you know, discovering these people, who they are, building these relationships, funneling them into um, you know, some sort of a, a community to engage in. Uh, man, I'm excited to see. Uh, what else is going on down the road with uh, with Lighthouse and and how this this continues to to grow? Hey, okay, so let's let's land the plane here. Uh, it's been great, but but let's let's call it a day. So Ray, what do you got? Anything to land? Having great job um, talking through and helping guiding us through as far as some of the chat stuff. Um, I, man, I hope to learn from some of the things that you guys have done. And uh, man, if you guys have any anything any kind of resources that we could throw in the show notes just to help some of our listeners that'd be great too just because i know that for us and we're still experimenting we're still working with us here at christ Bullship miami where i'm at um chat hosts have definitely improved the community of where it's been and like you said it's definitely helped people take that next step and so for everybody who's listening to the podcast today that's just kind of if you're just broadcasting your online service but not necessarily creating community around it let me encourage you to take that next step even if it's you yourself as a staff member, find a way to create community around getting a conversation started during the service. I just want to have resources that people can steal and make their own. Um, I know as we've been growing, that's been really helpful for, for us to be able to find people who are already doing something and just be able to learn from that and grab some of what they're doing and apply it to what we're doing. So I intend to have some resources that are just easy to take hold of and make your own. And so I can definitely get those to you guys by the time this goes public. Yeah, so we'll we'll put it, we'll put that on on the show notes um, as well. We'll, we'll link to it, make make it public to everybody. So I know that'll be a huge asset. So man, Evan, for you as we're landing the plane, anything um, anything specific? I just want to thank you guys. It's been great to talk through this. Um, I've listened to several of your episodes now. I love what you're doing in the podcast, and uh, I just really think it's a great resource for church leaders, especially in the online space. So I'm just thankful for what you guys are doing. That's good, Evan, because it's you, my mom, and Jeff's mom that are listening to the podcast, and man, we're fired up just to know, man. It's good. <laughs> Your mom still listens? How, still what? Listens. I don't uh, – what? I, I'm kidding. I mean, it's awesome. the only podcast she knows about, so <laughs> she can't – just to get her to open Apple Music on her phone is a win. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> – it's it certainly has been fun and and you know having conversations like this like yours evan guys who are, are doing a piece of church online and maybe experimenting in, with things one way or, or another way or even w- being willing to experiment nobody really has the answer to church online yet there's not a, a solid answer and how elevation or how saddleback or how north point's going to execute church online is going to look different than how Lighthouse in Maryland is going to execute church online, which is going to look different than the church plant that's going to do church online. And so how we all can utilize this online tool to not only broadcast services, but to engage with people and to create disciples. 
that's really the answer to this and the heart behind everything that we're doing here. And, uh, and chat hosts, I'm learning, uh, is, uh, is a essential part of that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that, that we as the church need to engage with, specifically in the online environment. So, man, Evan, thanks for the time here, jumping on this. And, uh, and Ray, once again, uh, it's always great to hang out with you. But mm-hmm. I am Jeff with the Church Digital. We're going to wrap here. This has been great and uh, hope to see you next time. Thanks for uh, joining in.